The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he, said to, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise! Take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the Magi, was exceedingly angry, And he sent forth and put to death all of the male children who were born in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us now, who know you by faith, to your presence where we may see your glory face to face through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Epiphany 
is this coming Wednesday, January the 6th. And as you are well aware now, the season of Christmas is actually the 12 days that begin on Christmas Day and lead to this, this holiday of Epiphany. And Epiphany is a, a funny word. We, we, we recognize very quickly that it's not part of our normal vocabulary, although every once in a while you'll hear someone say that they've had an Epiphany. And if you can think of that image in your mind, of someone saying, I've had an Epiphany, and think about what they are communicating to you, you'll get to the heart of what this word means. Some call uh, Epiphany Three Kings Day because it's the, the, the day where we remember that Christ was made manifest to the Gentile world. Epiphany is a Greek word that simply means manifestation or revelation. And it is a holiday in the church calendar where we remember that Christ came not just to save Israel, not just to save His covenant people, but He came offering salvation to the entire world. He is the light of the world. And so on this holiday we remember that that the the magi came from the east. These were not Israel people. These were not Hebrew people. These were folks from different parts of the world and these were folks who were gent of the gentile world and they came to Jesus bearing gifts. When we think of that word epiphany, we typically associate it with the images of light and dark because when someone says, oh, I've had an epiphany, what they're meaning is that a light bulb has gone off in their heads, that, that, that some light has been shed on an otherwise dark situation. And so we associate it with that interjection, aha, I see. Epiphany is about something being brought to light that as a word it's about that but also as a holiday and the significance of this holiday it is about something being brought to light specifically the Lord's Redeemer and the Lord's redemption when we think of the Magi there are a number of things that we don't know about them we don't know that there were three of them we know that the, their gifts were of the number three because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we don't know that there were three of them. There could have been two. There could have been three. There could have been 13. We just don't know. We also don't know precisely where they came from. We're told that they came from the east. That they came from, specifically, the text says, from the rising. Which is the rising of the sun. And of course the sun rises in the east. And so these, these men seem to be wise men, seekers, who are coming from eastern lands. We don't know how far. We don't know how far they traveled or how long they traveled. We simply know that they came to find the one who is to be born as king of the Jews. What we do know about them is, is hinted at by their name, magi. It's where we get the word magic or magician. <clears throat> they are apparently either astronomers or astrologers because they are searching the stars. In fact, they said that they have seen his star rising up out of the east. As, as you look back at the book of Numbers, you find a, a, a small and unseeming prophecy about a star that would rise and would, it would set uh, Israel free from its captors. And so they make a connection between this star and what they had read in the book of Numbers. Now we don't know that they had the whole Old Testament. We don't know that they were 
God-fearers in the sense of Gentiles who, who followed after some of the teachings of the Hebrew law. But we do know that these are indeed seekers. They're looking to the stars. They're looking to the scriptures. They are searching for, for something that is to come. While some things about them are left in darkness, some things are brought to light about them. A little bit about who they are. A little bit about why they've come. A little bit about where they've come from. But their inclusion in the gospel, it tells us something. Or better yet, it reminds us of something. It underscores an important principle that we must bear in mind. An important theological point, but an important point about the salvation of the world. And that is that the gospel is for all. There are quite a number of implications regarding evangelism and discipleship, which are two very important things to focus on at the beginning of a new year for the church. Evangelism and discipleship. They are not separate items. They are not separate categories in, in the church's life. Instead, they're, they're like two hands. The hands that, that draw others into the life of Jesus and His church. And the hands, the hands that lead on into that life. Further on into it. And these two hands of evangelism and discipleship, as we shed light on them this morning, as we bring them a little bit to light, as we begin a new year and as we look at the holiday of Epiphany and the, the visit of the Magi, these two hands will be foundational to us as people and as God's people, His church. Evangelism, we remember, is the proclamation of the good news. It is about... Telling the story that that Christ has come. It's about telling the story that God's kingdom is here. It's about telling the story that God is making all things new. And that's not just a, a future principle or a future idea that we hope for, but it's something that we are finding tangibly lived out in our lives as God is making us new and as God is putting our lives back together. I, I shared a, uh, a quote from just a few weeks ago from N.T. Wright. I love reading his stuff. And um, I feel so hipster saying that, uh, uh, mentioning N.T. Wright uh, by name in, in, in my sermons. That's, that's one of the things that, uh, that like modern, uh, modern or postmodern pastors do. But I really do like his stuff. But he said, he said how, in, how in the world do we have any proof that God will make all things new if he's not making our lives new? Something to that effect. How can we make the claim that, that God can raise the dead if He's not raising the dead in us? How can we make the claim that God is going to put the world to rights if we're not yielding our lives to Him and allowing Him to recreate us? And so the church, as we, as we proclaim the good news of God's coming, and as we proclaim the good, the good news that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead and vindicated Him, as we proclaim that good news, we proclaim it in word and also in deed. We proclaim it in our testimony and in our verbal proclamation, but we proclaim it also in the way we live our lives. This is not an either or where we can 
quietly live a nice holy life and therefore that's our proclamation or sharing of the good news. But it's also not just about speaking where we don't look to me at at a change of life and don't look to me for a different type of, of living. It's a both and situation. And what Epiphany tells us is that this this ministry of evangelism, the, the proclamation of the good news, the proclaiming that Christ is Lord, is good news for the entire world. It is good news that is shining light in all of the darkness. He is not just the redeemer of the elite or the significant or those that are in. If you'll remember the Christmas story, you remember the shepherds who were invited by the angels to make haste to Bethlehem to go and to see what had had happened in the birth of this child. You remember before that, when Mary goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, you remember who recognized who the Christ child was? An unborn baby. John the Baptist. And because that unborn baby, because of his pre-born faith, his mother Elizabeth declared that redemption had indeed come and had stepped foot into her house. And here you've got the Magi. Gentiles from the East. Folks who are part of the unclean world. Folks who are outside of the covenant people of Israel. Being led by a star. Being led by looking to the heavens for their Redeemer. Now, we don't know what all motivated them. We don't know that they were going to find the Savior of the world. We don't know that they were going to find the world's Redeemer. We do know that they are at least going. We don't know what they're looking for. We don't know what they're expecting. But here it is, they've showed up. They're not part of the in crowd. At least from Israel's perspective. They're very, very clearly and firmly part of the out crowd. They are outside of Israel. They are outside of Israel geographically and they are outside of Israel covenantally. But Christ came for all. He came for all as, as the, the, the psalm that David read this morning proclaims. He came for all including the poor, including the overlooked, including the forgotten, including those who are on the outside. And the funny thing is that these are often the ones who are looking for something. Something else. Something more. Something more than this world has to offer. These are often the ones that are looking for that. The poor, the overlooked, the forgotten. Those on the outside. Those who have been, who've been left behind. Those who have been forgotten. Those who have fallen through the cracks. Those are often the ones who are seeking. Now they may not be seeking the precise thing that we know they ought to be seeking, they might not be thinking, I'm going to find Jesus because He'll put my life back together. Sometimes they are. Sometimes that's very clearly clearly fixed in their hearts and in their minds. But sometimes they're simply looking for something else. Something that is fulfilling. Something that lasts. Something that brings joy and peace and hope. It's telling that The church is growing by leaps and bounds in areas outside of North America and Europe. All throughout Latin America and Africa and Asia, the church is growing exponentially. 
in many of those regions, the church is enduring harsh persecution. Incredibly harsh persecution. But yet, the gospel is taking root. The gospel is being offered to the Gentile world. To those who are on the outside. Because the good news is for the entire world. The fact that Jesus is Lord. The fact that God's kingdom has come and is coming. The fact that God is making all things new is is good news for everyone. And the Magi remind us of that. They underscore in our in our lives, that we ought to be reaching out to others, that we ought to be looking to the fields, for they are white unto harvest, as Jesus said. You know, with the new year, one of the things that we often do is we start planning. You know, we make our resolutions and we think about what we're going to do in the coming year. But evangelism while there ought to be some plans in place, evangelism is not just about planning for what we're going to do down down the road. Evangelism is about now. That was the point of Jesus saying, you say there's a, a little bit of more time until it's time for the harvest. He said, look, look at the fields. They're already ready. Get out into the fields. When we think of evangelism, We often think of it as something separate from discipleship. But as I said, there there are really two hands that work together. And as we evangelize, we are drawing people into the life of Christ. We are inviting people to come and, and to taste and to see that the Lord is indeed good. For we are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that He is making all things new and that He can put lives back together. And discipleship is about that searching for Jesus and following after Him. And this is a subject that often has very, very little light Shined upon it. Typically, this subject of discipleship is shrouded by cloud and fog. You know, we we invite people to Jesus, but we don't want to tell them all that much about what that's going to require once they give their lives to Jesus. We just want to get them in. Now, the Magi. They were hardly disciples in the sense that we typically think. Because when we think disciples, we think of someone who's got his Bible. It's probably either a a study Bible or maybe a a nice black leather Bible. It might be with them all the time. It's someone who is completely devoted. It's someone who's growing in their faith. It's someone who's participating in a small group maybe. It's someone who's attending church regularly. And we don't know all that about the Magi. But what we do know is that they are looking for Jesus. They're looking for the one who was to come, who was to be born as King of the Jews. And they were following a star as they looked for Him. And when we think of the Magi, we often think about the gifts that they brought. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for a king. Frankincense, because this is the one who is God's presence among His people. And myrrh, 
foretelling his death, that he had come to lay down his life. We think of those resources, and those are extremely important to the story, that we remember that they brought tangible gifts to Jesus, but they gave also of their time and of their energy. We don't know how far they traveled, but they, we know that they traveled for some time. It's, it's possible that they traveled for several months. We don't know when the star appeared, whether it appeared um, at the night of his birth or whether it maybe appeared before then or after then. We don't know. We do know that Herod concludes that he's going to go ahead and do away with all male children that are two years and under that have been born in Bethlehem. They traveled for some time. They expended some energy in behalf of looking for Jesus. And as they used that time and that energy and gave a great cost in finding Jesus, they brought gifts to the one who is the light of the world. They came bringing what they had. They came using what was available to them. Time, energy, and resources. And they bring those gifts. They lay down those costs at the feet of Jesus, the one for whom they've been looking as they followed the star. In my mind, you can't separate this story from what happens next. And Matthew tells us that these magi are warned in a dream. Don't go back to Herod. And so they go home another way. And then Joseph is warned in a dream. Get up, get the child, get his mother, and get out of here. He's in danger. You can't separate the visit of the magi from from the, the massacre of the innocents. Herod is deceived and Herod is infuriated. Herod is a paranoid king. Herod was known for putting to death a wife that he apparently otherwise really, really loved. Putting to death his own family, his children. I believe a couple of his sons. He's a very paranoid king. He loved his power. He cherished it. And he guarded it fiercely. And it was nothing for him to do away with all would-be rivals to his authority and his power. When Jesus came into the world, he came into a very dangerous and volatile situation. The interesting thing about one of the interesting things. I'm always saying the interesting thing. I'm starting to pick up on mannerisms that I have. I often say that something is an interesting thing. I guess I'm just an interested guy. I get interested by a lot of things. But the interesting thing about evangelism and discipleship is both, the, both of these two hands that are part of the ministry life of the church, evangelism and discipleship, they are, they are dangerous business. Oftentimes, when we, are, when we are sharing the good news with others, 
Not just by handing them a track, but by opening up our lives to others and beginning to tell them about the story of how Jesus has changed our lives and how we found our lives being put back together in Him. We often find ourselves making ourselves vulnerable to others, but also we find ourselves in very precarious spots. If, if you've ever invested yourself in someone else where you're, you're seeing them take steps forward and you're, seeing, you're, you're starting to see the seeds that you've planted in their lives germinating and you're starting to see that something's happening under the surface and maybe you start seeing some, some surface level changes that are, that are being put into place, you, you probably know well that there's always that risk of pushing too hard or pushing too little. There's always that risk that, that if, you, if you back off just a little bit, things might go sideways. You know, life in Jesus is sometimes a dangerous thing. We begin to open up our lives to Jesus and He begins to, to point at things that we don't want Him pointing at. Nothing to see here, Jesus. We like keeping things in the dark. We like, we like not having that light shining on us. And when we begin to invest ourselves in the lives of others, when we begin to share through evangelism and share through helping make disciples... Sometimes we find that, that they respond in ways we don't expect them to respond. And sometimes we don't like those ways. It's very common when you're investing your life in someone and they seem to be making strides forward that there'll be things that'll set them back. It's, there are some times where you'll find that they, they get involved in sins you would have never thought they would have gotten involved in. And you think, oh my goodness, all hope is lost. This is the end of the road. Following Jesus is a dangerous, dangerous business. We must be sensitive, as were the Magi and as was Joseph. We must be sensitive to what God is doing and sensitive, not just to think, okay, God, thank you, we'll take it from here. You know, Joseph had been very sensitive to God's leading. If you read through Matthew chapter 1, you find Joseph's very sensitive to God's leading. He's, he's trying to, number one, he's sensitive to, to his betrothed Mary. And he's trying to think, okay, how do I deal with this situation that is not a good situation in a way that has little impact on her? Then he's, he's aroused in a dream by God to, to, to chill out and to... Take a different course. He's very sensitive to God's leading. But Jesus has now been born. Some time has passed. They're no longer in the stable living out with the animals. They're in a house, Matthew says. And he's a small child. Joseph could have very easily thought, oh, I've, I've been doing this. This is old hat. Dropped his guard. But God approaches Joseph in a dream. says there's danger. 
We must be sensitive to God's leading. We must be listening out for His voice as we take part in the ministries of evangelism and discipleship. As we bring our gifts to Jesus, as we bring Him our resources and our time and our energy and expend them for the sake of looking for Jesus and following Him and helping others to follow Him and proclaiming His good news to the world. Proclaiming His good news not just to to upright and sharp-dressed church people, but in proclaiming His good news to all those who've been forgotten and lost and those who are on the outside. We must be sensitive. Because right here in the midst of this story of the Magi and of Joseph and Mary and of the young child Jesus, right here in the midst of it, we're told of some other characters. We're told of Herod, the crowned king of Israel. And we're told also of those that he went to for some assistance. When the Magi came to Herod and said, we're looking for the king who's been born. He took inventory of his household and said, wait a minute, we haven't had a king born here. What brought you here? There's a star. When that star appear? And then he called for the scribes and the high priests, the chief priests. Tell me. The one who's to be born as king. Israel's Messiah. Where was he supposed to be born in this area? Oh, Bethlehem. So right here in the midst of the Epiphany story, right here in the midst of the Magi coming from the east, right here in the midst of Jesus dwelling in Bethlehem, just a few miles from Jerusalem, you've got a king and you've got chief priests and you've got scribes. You've got all the professionals. And the Magi pressed on to find Jesus. Meanwhile, Herod and most all of Israel missed what was happening right under their noses. Still living in darkness. Meanwhile, the world's true light was right there. Right there. The scribes missed it. The chief priests missed it. And the king wanted nothing to do with it. May we search for that light. May we follow it. And may we shine that light as mirrors into the darkness. By proclaiming that Jesus has come, that he's putting the world back together and he's begun in our lives. By drawing others to with us follow after Jesus. As we look to a new year, as people, as families, and as a church, we need to be about evangelism and discipleship. 
There's a whole host of other things we need to be about, but we need to make sure that we are sharing the good news of what God's done in our lives with others. About growing in Him and encouraging others and helping others to grow in Him. That's how we shine light in the midst of darkness. By bringing Him what we have and by using it for His sake. Let's pray.